Hi, I'm excited to be here. My name is Max Porterfield. I'm President and CEO of Kalinex Mines. We've got a portfolio of basin precious metals rich VMS deposits within close proximity to known Canadian mining jurisdictions. Most notably, we've got a very, very high grade copper gold discovery called the Rainbow Deposit, just a 30 minute drive from the town of Flint Flon, Manitoba, that's quickly emerging at a very critical time for that community. Max, thank you very much. Good introduction. Um, good to meet you. It's the first time we've met. Likewise. So here we are. We're almost at the end of the year. It's been a brutal uh, time for junior explorers and developers in the space. You know, everything's sold off. Um, you know, every, every share price has, has been beaten up a bit. Could you just give us a kind of a, a, a quick run through of the years, kind of what you've achieved during the year? Because I mean, you've, you've had a pretty extraordinary year um, when I look through your presentation and your news releases. So that if you could give a summary of where you got to in the year, that'd be great. Yeah, certainly. You know, aside from uh, just the share price, uh, we had a very, very exciting year. Uh, we kicked off the year with an almost $9 million financing. It was $8.88 million financing uh, to follow up on the Rainbow Discovery and some targets that we had in the vicinity of Rainbow. Uh, that's proven to be very, very successful in the results that we put out to date. Uh, so we've drilled in, in nearly in excess of 35. And just, just to clarify, Rainbow, Rainbow is the Flint Flon project, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Rainbow Deposit, which is located again, a 30-minute side a drive outside of Flint Flon. Uh, so, you know, in terms of rainbow and, and that discovery hole, we entered the, uh, the, the year with just three holes into the, um, to the deposit area. Uh, that discovery was made at 900 meters vertical depth just last August. Uh, and the a couple of the holes we had went up to the 600 meter level. So 35,000 meters, uh, almost 35,000 meters that we've announced, uh, into the deposit area is, is significant in surrounding explorations. So it's a lot of work that's been steady with two drills that we're uh, you know, just about to shut down uh, the second of the two drills in the next day or two. And uh, that's you know, shown uh, that Rainbow is stacking up to be really an accessible discovery. So to that end, the grades have been uh, quite spectacular, well north of on average 4% copper, uh, 4 to 4.5% copper equivalent. I think ultimately will be the case between all the drilling as even the more distal areas as well included in that. So that'll make it one of the you know, top 10 highest grade uh, producing mines in the world for copper. Uh, if it was a producer right now, obviously we've got a long way to go to get to that stage. Uh, but obviously the, the early drilling has been very uh, promising and indicating something very special in our hands. So, you know, we started the year at 900 meters there and, and uh, we've drilled up to uh, the 35 meter level. 35? Yes. There's about a fence that holds it on the 100 meter level, and there's one hole up uh, around the 35 meter level. Uh, recently, where, where are we now? On the 13th of December, you published a, a kind of an exploration update, and uh, you put that really nice long section with a whole bunch of holes which have yet to uh, be assayed. Um, <clears throat> so, can you just describe to me the kind of the rough orientation of it? It's a um, what's the strike length of this? Um, because you, as you said, you've gone down from minus 900 up to um, up to pretty much close to surface. What's the strike length and what's the kind of the average, average thickness? The deposits in Flint Flon average strike are 150 meters. Yeah. Uh, and rainbows between 150 to 200 meters uh, in strike, depending on where you are looking within the, the deposit. Uh, in the Flint Flon district, they're typically elongated deposits. Uh, so for every one meter of strike, you're, you look to expect, uh, based upon the history, between five to eight meters of depth extent to that. 
so that's uh, how they are in terms of their widths. Uh, their widths are typically between four to eight meters, uh, true width uh, in Flin Flon. Uh, with everything that we've seen right now, because uh, the orange zone, there's two zones in rainbow, orange, yellow, the orange zones, um, the much more pronounced one, so to speak, where it's coming close to surface. Uh, and that one uh, is true width so far as roughly nine meters. So we're, we're on the thicker end of the, the spectrum uh, for what's typical in Flin Flon. Uh, and, um, certainly the grades are on the higher end of the scale of two. So I can show you actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah please do. Yeah. Show, show us a map or, or a slide. I was going to ask, um, while, while you're doing this, what, what made you, um, you know, what inspired a 900 meter hole to intersect this? Cause no, normally in exploration, what happens is the other way around, you start shallow and you, and you, you go deeper, but, uh, you've kind of worked from the bottom upwards here. So there must've been something that made you target that deep hole initially right you're absolutely right so what we did um in terms of vectoring is because they're they're very um uh, steeply dipping and actually this is very ideal uh in plunging ideal for the um uh, mining uh, underground mining is having it near vertical the way it sits uh but when you have this situation it, they make a very very small footprint from an electromagnetic standpoint because your em conductor again is about 150 meters long about four to eight meters wide at the thickest point in, in many instances, and often more often than not, not very close to surface. So what we did um, is we brought an IP as a vectoring tool. Uh, the reason for which is if you assume that the mass of sulfides are not going to be, um, you know, you're not going to go from uh, just straight into the mass of sulfides, you're going to see a disseminated sulfides, semi-mass sulfides going into it. Uh, that'll create a halo for IP. IP is obviously readily used uh, in the exploration for uh, gold uh, because of the dis disseminated pyrite uh, that the, the gold would come with. Uh, in, in base metals, this pyritic halo will really be the, the halo that encompasses the mass, so mass of sulfide. So when we did the IP survey over a more, obviously, uh, area that we'd already been covered, it highlighted a completely new area. It's a brand new horizon um, that was previously not appreciated or understood or unknown. Uh, and when we then used the borehole EM uh, survey, it vectored us at depth. And if you look at the camp's history, a lot of these deposits uh, started depth, more modern deposits really in the past 30 years have all been at depth. And uh, I'll show you another slide on that. Um, but what I was going to show you on that, that slide is obviously the drill spacing, how we started it at depth and uh, have now drilled so, so, so you, were, you were targeting a, um, an IP anomaly at depth. So, so that, that's what you had, was an IP anomaly, or was it an EM anomaly? No, 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 it was actually an IP. Then we pulsed, we had good geology. Uh, we pulsed the hole, then we had an off-hole EM. So your indirect vector is your IP to get to the disseminated halo. And then your direct vector towards the mass of sulfides, the most conductive mass of sulfides, I should remind you, that's me biased to that. And the most conductive pointed us at depth there. So you put the first hole in down at 900 meters. So what, it was a thousand meter hole or whatever it was in August last year. Is that where you started with a deep hole? It was three holes to make the discovery. Okay, three holes um, to make I the discovery. I can through that if you'd like. Well, um, let, let, let's what, pull up that slide again and then we can kind of just have a look at the, um, look at the, uh, the long section. And we, let's, let's talk through that. Initially, we drilled a hole uh, that was somewhere around over here and we probed it. Chasing okay. the IP anomaly. 
And yeah. then we, when we probed it, it put a plate that was down here. Okay. Right. We drilled another hole from over here and then it, it veered over here and then we still had an off hole. So then we call it a hole off the peninsula and I'll show you a long side, a plan view too, at some point. And then that's when we hit the discovery hole PBM one, one, one at depth. Okay. Right. And so since that time, we focused on delineating that resource and chasing it to surface. Understanding okay. that it's open at surface and at depth. And obviously you want to chase it to surface because you're going to be cheaper to get to from a development timeline and development costs. And you're going to go to generate cash flow much more quickly. And quite frankly, it's cheaper to drill off any closer to discovery. But if you, yeah. if we stop for a moment and take a perspective and look at what a long section with a triple seven might would look like thrown onto that with Kalanin mine and triple seven, you can see here again, this is very near vertical in terms of rainbows, very limited drilling. It's brand new. And then this purple and red are Kalanan. Kalanan was about eight and a half million tons of um, one, two, five uh, percent copper, half percent zinc and a half gram per ton uh, about. So basically it was about just over 2% copper equivalent. And then, then this is when triple seven picked up. And triple seven, which is the big flagship mine that's shutting down next year, actually doesn't start till the tops out of the 840 meter, but you can see really balloons at depth here uh, and it carries on. So rainbows is, is very, very uh, shallow. It's one of the more shallow discoveries in the more recent modern uh, flint flon history. Because uh, it took between Kalanan to Flint Flon uh, to that triple seven mine, it was a number of years between uh, 40 some odd years between finding triple seven uh, and Kalanan existing. The geology downhole is it is it clearly visible? Do do your geologists know when they've intersected all? Um, yeah, yeah. Well, you're hitting grades like that. It's very very easy to see. Um, so no, yeah, there's. You get a pretty good idea when you're in in realization. You're not in realization, yeah. And, and you're comfortable that it runs up to the 35 meter. I mean, you can see the same massive sulfide. You can see the. the, well, the I mean, I can't tell you what I can see in the rocks that we haven't announced candidly. So um, there's that. I mean, they're unreported. Um, but I, I'd say that the drilling that we did and bringing it up to surface is is based upon obviously visuals, and then when you have pending assays, they eventually start coming in, you, you get more confirmation of that and you go a little bit further. So uh, I, I think that, you know, we're, we're blessed in the reality that we're drilling massive sulfides and very, very high grades. Uh, so we're not dependent on any pending assay results to continue to delineate the deposit. That's, that's, that's clear and logical. It's what you'd expect if the, if the, if the massive sulfide continues, you, we can all recognize or any, um, Anybody who spent any time on the rocks, geologist or not, you can recognize the key copper-bearing minerals and the key zinc-bearing minerals. Gold, of course, is something that one can't see visually normally. Um, but the, the, the bulk-based metals, the, the lead, the copper, and the zinc, you can get one's eye in relatively quickly. So if your geologists are using that as a visual guide to draw the, the mineralization up to or to draw the drilling up to surface that's a good um inference that the the mineralization continues um so what next you've you obviously got to when are you going to get the assays back for those pending holes i i, I um, how many are pending is it um so uh we've got 30 37 holes pending 
uh, right now. Uh, and those are holes that were drilled really since um, September. The assay results turnaround got very, very slow. And we're hoping that those, uh, well, they're improving compared to how bad they were at one point. And, and I'm not a guy or we're not a company in general um, to kind of lean on that uh, in terms of we just got to continue on pressing forward and, and, uh, and, and realize that things happen in life and you've really just got to adjust and move on. Uh, so the assay results, we're very excited to be able to put them out when they come out. I think actually ultimately it's probably a better market to put them out and I'm excited for the new year. Um, so as they come out in the new year, we'll be able to share those uh, and uh, what we're up to from uh, an exploration targeting and plans moving forward. Um, I think it was really, really opportunity here within Rainbow. I, you know, I think looking into next year, we're going to need to do drilling and focus drilling uh, between the 300 meter down. Max, tell me about the, the IP vectoring and what you've got planned in terms of the drilling. Where are you going to be focusing the drilling next year? Yeah, so looking into the new year, we're going to need to do delineation drilling and continue that on Rainbow. Uh, we need to get on ice to do that, to drill between really the 300 meter level uh, down to about the 800 meter level and get those infills uh, holes that we needed to get done uh, into that to build it into an indicated resource uh, as well, well as we need to do a couple thousand meters on the Pine Bay deposit, which is over a million tons historic uh, that just sits, uh, you know, a few hundred meters away from Rainbow uh, and also has a uh, historic underground access to it. Uh, in addition to that, we have been vectoring and uh, in, in shift our, you know, methodology and mindset in terms of vectoring uh, as we've continued to do some exploration drilling to the north as well as to the to the west along this growth fault corridor. Uh, and then we're also waiting IP results that have been quite slow candidly um, to the south. Um, we, we did a very big ICP survey that covers probably about seven kilometers uh, of the, uh, the favorable trend to the south that'll cover uh, both Rainbow as well as down and past uh, the sourdough deposit, which is a. Do you have a map you can put up? Uh, yeah, let me. Um, um, and what's, what state is the, what condition is that shaft? Because I see you've got a shaft that goes down to about 300 meters. Is that right? Maybe a bit further? Uh, the shaft goes down to 200 meters. 200 meters? Um, yeah. This, and that was again put in. It's right there on the peninsula, as you can see here that I've highlighted. Uh, that's where the shaft's located. Uh, that's the Pine Bay deposit that I mentioned. This was, you know, why the shaft was put in. It was briefly taken into uh, production very briefly in the 1960s. Uh, and then this is where Rainbow sits. In terms of the shaft, it was capped. So it needed to be like, to be rehabilitated, I think, with the idea that Rainbow has the potential to come much closer to surface. Uh, I think really what you'd look to do is uh, likely ramp down to uh, the deposit uh, over here and then, you know, build an underground development to access to that secondary exit of some sort. Again, I'm not a mining engineer, um, but obviously that's something that we need to look at once we get a little bit further along the process. Okay, so, so initial thoughts are um, build out the resource around Rainbow. Uh, start thinking in terms of a resource figure. Have you got a date for um, next year? Are you aiming for a, a resource by mid-year or during the course of 2023? You know, have you got, have you got your head? Yeah, no, I think a maiden, we could do a maiden resource by uh, mid next year. Uh, but in, in the meantime, we're also look to vector to make uh, additional discoveries on the portfolio. We've already, I think are well along that process of vectoring. 
Uh, we just haven't talked too much about the, the vectoring approach and process uh, on the property um, just yet, but essentially there's these multiple growth fault corridors that you can see highlighted here in rainbow is the sixth deposit that has been discovered in that corridor. There's also the, the centennial mine horizon that runs down to the south, off the, uh, continues onto the property on, on, a, on a bigger perspective and on this image. And we've covered that with IP in surface pulse EM. So as we've been waiting for that to be processed, we already had data coverage in this area. And what makes this area unique is that this is where you have the mapped mill rock. Uh, so these big uh, uh, felsic fragments uh, have been mapped here, uh, which means it's the most proximal to the volcanic event, essentially. You know, Moslowski likes to tell me, our, our chairman, our former chairman and founder of Kalinex, that, you know, if you, you can see this, you kind of cup your ear because you can hear a mill running. That's why they call it mill rock out in Flin Flon. And so <clears throat> the more proximal to that, to give you an idea, where you look where there's a map mill rock in the town of Flin Flon, uh, which you can go on Google Maps and show you, but there's a place called Mill Rock Hill. And when you see Mill Rock Hill, they'll take all the local geologists out there, the young ones, to learn. And within 432 million, uh, sorry, 432 meters of Mill Rock Hill is where you see the, uh, the Flint Flon ore body. And as you move along that cross fault, you then get the um, Kalanin and Triple Seven deposits a couple kilometers away along the cross fault, right? And the beauty here is, is that everyone historically, all the previous operators, and you can even see from the blue dots uh, historically, were focused on this alteration that had been mapped at surface here and the, the felsics have been mapped at surface here. And I think if you look back historically, um, there's really no holes in this area uh, at all. Um, you can see the very tiny ones right here. That's a historical, that's a historical, that's a historical on our property. You've got that mapped mill rock. Um, and you could potentially say you have conductors in the area that have gone on drill tested. And I think it's a real opportunity to find another discovery. You know, there's seven flavors of colors in the rainbow, so to speak, a seventh deposit in this rainbow corridor that contains, you know, rainbow and other deposits. Additionally, in terms of, you know, potential not to trim too big here, but as you see these deposits grow, uh, as they come and go west towards the mill rock or the, the big uh, volcanic event, uh, namely, you know, I think Baker Patton's roughly probably about 90,000 tons historic, Cabin's about 125,000 tons historic, Pine Bay is um, uh, 1.1 million tons historic, and now you have Rainbow, and I think Rainbow, obviously I can't say on a, on a, a publicly about this, um, just but you'd, you'd, be, you'd, be aiming, you'd be aiming for anywhere between two and five million tons, kind of logically, as a kind of a target. Yeah, I would say close to five then to two uh, certainly would be my, my favoring based upon uh, at least what we put out today and assumptions hold, uh, hold true. You can see from your long sections, you can make your own assumptions, I should say. But it's, yep. you know, it's definitely looking to be bigger than what we have just upon um, things at, at Pine Bay. So again, you keep looking along that corridor, which we've started that process of vectoring, uh, not necessarily utilizing IP, uh, but using other tool sets that we already have within the wheelhouse. Uh, so, we, you know, the story on that is, is we're vectoring. I think we're very, very early on in terms of a lot of exploration potential on the property within this cross fault or exploration uh, growth fault corridor, uh, as well as a long trend to the south. Uh, where, you know, where it's never been covered in this way. 
uh, on the scale ever before using this technology and this, this mindset. And that's really the biggest thing is, you know, you can do one thing. Sorry, I didn't take that down. But you can do one thing uh, the same way, uh, but oftentimes you're going to have the same result. And while there's the old adage, if it's not broken, don't fix it. Well, if it's broken, you probably need to fix it and change, change your mindset to have a different outcome. Okay, so and I, I know you haven't got your final um, assay data in. I know you're waiting for 37 holes, but uh, a maiden resource, let's say you're aiming for it by the middle of next year. Have you started to budget for next year? Are you looking at uh, 10,000 meters, 20,000 meters, 30,000 meters into rainbow? And how much extra will you be able to have spare to put into the growthful area to come new target areas? Are you talking 5% of your budget or 25% of your budget? Or I think it would probably be more about 50% of our budget uh, would be exploration relative to rainbow drilling. I think to get to um, delineating rainbow to an indicator resource uh, within the first you know, 800, 900 meters of surface, we're going to need to do another additional probably about 15,000 meters of drilling. And we're still obviously working on those numbers, but that's probably about where we need to be at. And that can be done very, very quickly. Uh, in the winter months, because we need to do that on ice. We can be much more effective on ice. The the uh, peninsula has been a real blessing, candidly, because uh, it's given us access to year-round drilling. Uh, but to effectively drill out some areas of this deposit, you know, being able to move on ice is going to help us out a lot. Uh, and in addition to that, if you kind of look at what we did this past year, uh, you know, we had 8.88 million. We had budgeted uh, a 4,000-meter campaign. Ultimately, we cut a little bit short in New Brunswick uh, just on access. I uh, did 3,400 meters and then we budgeted 30,000 meters and we've delivered uh, north of 34,000 meters for the shareholders. Uh, and this is in a very uh, inflationary market environment, as you can imagine. And I've really, we've got to be very grateful to our, um, everyone involved with Kalanex that extends past immediate, you know, maybe in a core family, there's a, a broader Kalanex family that really is bought in in part of our mission to have a dramatic change for the future of Flint Flint, Manitoba. Uh, so looking forward, again, I think we can accomplish the same next year uh, and, and spend a, a significant time. Obviously, we also need to explore rainbow at depth. I think there's a huge opportunity at rainbow at depth. We haven't touched rainbow at depth, uh, but as well on that growth fault corridor and along the trend to the south. And I think that we can be very, very cost effective with our exploration dollars. Um, you know, understanding that it's going to take multiples to vector towards a discovery. Um, but when we bring in the multiple tool sets using the skill set our team has, again, let's not forget our teams found three of the four largest mines in the Flint Flint Camps history. And I do believe we're well on the way to finding, uh, you know, four out of five. Um, quick question. So you raised $9 million, you drilled um 35,000 meters drilling, more or less, um, and it cost you how much? I mean, how much money have you got left in the, in the kitty? Yeah, so in terms of the treasury, the treasury's around a million dollars today, uh, less than a million dollars. And that'll be, um, obviously, our GNA is, is very, very lean. I think your GNA, you're looking on a monthly basis, or burns uh, 70,000 to 80,000, you know, on any given month. So you're going to need to raise, let's say you want to do 30,000 meters of drilling next year, you're going to need to raise a chunk of money. But um, the mechanics of that aside, 30,000 meters will help you vector in on um, a maiden resource, a rainbow, and potential exploration on, on the growthful area, the mill rock. 
yeah, I mean, the Middle Rock area, I think we're, we're obviously well on our way to, to a vectoring there. We haven't announced, you know, even any of the, the targeting in terms of that area uh, and the results from what we're working on there. We're, st we're still drilling there at the moment. Uh, so you're absolutely right. I think we're going to have more than enough to uh, bandwidth to drill, uh, you know, in, in tech in vector. I think uh, the unique thing that Rainbow shows the biggest thing the rainbow shows outside of the, I think really what it is, is a, a world-class um, high-grade copper gold discovery uh, is that you can go into mature camps and find near surface discoveries. If you look at the past 30, 40 years, I think really the mindset's been is all the near surface discoveries within the camp. Uh, these districts have been, have been found. And I don't believe that's the case. And obviously I can show, we can show you that that's not the case. Right. So that's, I think the biggest thing that, that we've done, aside from the economic implications of what we're looking to achieve for the, the community and our shareholders, is from a, just an exploration technical standpoint, is that you know, a lot of these mature camps that have been written off uh, in, in many ways um, shouldn't be. Yeah, no, no, I, I get it. I'm all for brownfields exploration in mature uh, exploration environments. They're data rich, sometimes drill hole poor. Um, <clears throat> or in, in, in instances and stuff to the West, it's not data rich at all. And that, yeah. that's even and if you look at rainbow, you can be data rich. No one knew about the rainbow horizon. Yeah. Right. And so that's the opportunity. I think the real opportunity is not only is there data, it's the lack of data and lack of uh, understanding of the systems in a vectoring approach. If you only vector and use a one tool set, well, you're only going to find the ones that present themselves in that one way. And also when you look at, and you're trying to vector, and this is getting more technical, but when you're trying to vector along a formational unit, uh, that can have these type of deposits in the shadows of, because there's a, uh, you know, the, the Centennial Mine Horizon sits just 100 meters away from this thing. And from an EM standpoint is, is overshadowing anything else. So that takes into another count as to really how you need to use the tool sets in different scenarios uh, that you can overlook things and you won't see things. So um, I think there's also areas where like the Mill Rock, where you look and you saw the historic drilling in an area, you think, well, you really want to spend more time there and you're in a camp that's been producing for a hundred years. And quite frankly, the, the Pine Bay area has about 800 somewhat drill holes in the area. So it's not like someone had and, and other companies haven't spent the time to look. It's, it's a culmination of different things and thinking differently ultimately is the biggest part of that, uh, that I think is going to lead to success in the future and has already led success historically for the company. Great. So how much of your energy and effort I mean, we, we talked about the kind of, if you're going to drill $30,000 next, uh, 30,000 meters next year, half of that's going to go into uh, Rainbow and half it's going to go into exploration uh, in Flinflon. Um, how much of your budget is going to, mentally, are you thinking allocating to Flinflon and how much goes to Bathurst and how much goes to Newfoundland? Well, Kaylee, right now, I think we're going to be moving uh, and shifting dramatically into to Manitoba. Uh, so it's going to be dominated by Manitoba. But at the same time, it was dominated by Manitoba this year. Uh, I think that really, uh, maybe certain people might not be able to see through what we're doing as an organization, but we were spending the bulk on the high-grade copper gold discovery that has an immediate impact for Flinflon. I mean, if you look at where we are right now at Nash Creek, Nash Creek is very, very attractive at today's zinc price environment. Uh, you're looking at probably $189 million NPV and 8% discount rate and over 30% IR based upon the 2018 PEA at today's spot zinc price environment. So there's a lot of opportunity in New Brunswick and in Ash Creek 
But from an overall growth standpoint, uh, we've really got to focus on um, on where we have the, the the biggest impact, not only for ourselves, for our shareholders, because that's what's going to allow us to transition uh, and, and move a project forward into a near-term production story much more quickly. I think that we're going to be able to advance Rainbow and other discoveries on the property in unprecedented time. Actually, they're unprecedented. I shouldn't say unprecedented because they're precedented because it's been done before for the town of Flin Flon. And even uh, the, the Manitoba's got such a tremendous track record in permitting and getting things into production in short timelines, even in bad metal markets and when they're not as necessary. A Reed Lake mine was a great example. That discovery was in 2007. And Reed Lake, um, they ultimately did a JV in 2010. It needed to be re-drilled out, which you know is basically kind of start over from scratch on the resource perspective. Um, but they went into commercial production by 2014. Um, so that was, you know, uh, or that's January Q1 2014. So it's a very quick turnaround. And that was a property that was 130 kilometers away. It was a 2.1 million tonner and um, it had overburden. But they, that was able to go to production for sub $72 million capex. Uh, yeah. So I think if you look at our situation, I think it's much more attractive in many more ways than one. But that's kind of a, uh, an example of how soon you can get something into production in Manitoba uh, at a time right now that's very, very critical for the community. Again, 777 is the flagship mine in Flin Flon. It's shutting down next May. That's 785 direct jobs. Some of them are going to be offset potentially, but they're, they're forecasting 50 jobs by 2023. So, you know, if you want to shift as much as you want around, I don't know how you make up for 785 direct jobs. Uh, and then there's so many more indirect so with that being said, reclamation liabilities, HUD Bay has increased them up to 322 million off of 140 million and, and uh, stated reclamation needs to go out to 2122. So you've got a, a mill that's sitting in there that's got a capacity of 5,000 tons per day. And um, they're now looking to reprocess tailings. So I think there's a real opportunity to alleviate some of the, uh, the pressures uh, the community has that uh, certainly maybe the other operator might have um given that you know rainbow is so high grade it's near surface it's within 200 meters of a hydroelectric power line and you can drive up to it yeah you're still i mean you've still a, a way away from uh thinking about production in that sense you know you, you've yet to get to your maiden resource um <clears throat> uh right let, let, I, you under, I understand that but when i was i guess i didn't in, <laughs> in, indicate with uh reed lake they, they started their development work as they were working on their PEA. Uh, they didn't get their feasibility study published to, uh, to basically after they already made the construction decision and were doing the, the development work at, at Reed Lake. And that's a good example of people acting on a very, very short timelines. And I think if you look at the situation for Flint Flon, if you're looking at a maiden resource at Q2 next year, I think you can accelerate that quickly. And so one of the key things I think that we need to do a better job of, or we're, I don't say better job, I think we're doing an okay job, we just don't talk heavily about it, is working with policymakers on streamlining a permitting timeline so that while we drill out uh, Rainbow... Sorry, um, while you're drilling out Rainbow, you're saying um, work on the permitting so that you don't have future uh, um, delays. Um, yes. Okay, so so tell me who's, who's funding, who's backing um Kalanex and and who can you draw on for the next round i mean what's your um interaction with the capital markets oh i mean the capital markets have always been very kind to Kalanex. uh we're super grateful for the shareholder bases that we have have had in the past 
uh, prior to the most recent financing. Then we brought on a, a really incredible round of shareholders in the more recent financing that we did in April that are also along the story. I mean, it's been a tough year in terms of the share price appreciation, uh, share, share, share price performance, um, but that's not indicative of obviously the accomplishments the company's made. And we have been slowed by areas. So, you know, we're very, very grateful to have this, this patient supportive shareholders that we have in the company. And we've also um, looked to expand that. And so in terms of the most recent round of financing we did, for example, uh, we had uh, Delbrook was a shareholder, uh, took, it was a big lead order into that SSI, a commodity discovery fund, Gold 2000, Northfield Capital, um, and previous uh, shareholders, uh, the Savelli family and Clarion Finance took a, a position and well, they were formerly with Clarion Finance. Uh, as well as um, uh, friends and family participated in the last round as, as well. Uh, and then we've also very long-term stable institutional shoulders like resource capital funds that have been around since 2015. Um, so, so myself. Why, why the, I mean, how can you explain the, 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 the sell-off? Because it's not just the markets. Uh, I mean, because you had this great run-up in February and then it's kind of been, it's been tough going since then, hasn't it? Yeah, Kaylee, and it has been tough going since then. And I think that's just indicative of being early in a discovery. I think um, naturally when you have a discovery, uh, you've got to tick people's boxes, right? And we entered the year, we were we were down, we had a nine, 900 meter vertical depth hole, it was deep. People didn't have understanding in terms of what is a mineable width, mineable grade in, in a situation like that. Or because fun funds uh, discoveries are so unique and so, um, and frequent, there's a big education around that. Uh, so I think what's happened is really we've come off since September. We've come off since September since because we hadn't had an ability to update the market with readily with uh, news flow. But yeah. at the same time, I can't force that. And I can understand in life that when I, as a leader, am trying to run a, a, a sail a ship, that we're going to be hit by different type of storms. This, quite frankly, a delay in the assays is you know a, a weaker storm more than anything. And I think often than not, because of the challenges in the negative uh, mindset that typically is indicative of the exploration business, that's driven by the kind of perception of low success rate, that any time a company might go quiet for any short period of time, irrespective of what the realities are, uh, the negative thought can overwhelm that. And I think that from, not from an institutional shareholder base, because I think institutional shareholders and family offices certainly uh, know, what's, know the game and, and they're more patient in terms of what they're seeing, but I think that investors that might be more newer to the resource space or might be more on uh, looking for a quick turn aren't as patient. And that can lead to, to some uh, low volume pressure on the stock and that goes into it. And then you kind of have tax loss selling right now as well. Uh, so just like last year, we were in a situation, I feel way better than I did last year. Even I was super excited. Last, listen, last year I was another planet and it had my excitement. And we got Delta Blow and we overcame that and we recapitalized the company and we kept going on. And we did we recapitalized the company most of stock because of the ability with raising capital at charitable flow through was priced at 640 a share. Uh, so there wasn't a whole lot of dilution to that in. So I mean, we're going to be cognizant of dilution. We've got to be cognizant of the inherent hurdles that our business is going to have, like any other business. And we've got to manage around that. And, and that'll be, you know come at us in different ways. This is not going to be the only hurdle we ever face uh, or only, you know, uh, but at the same time, the winds can shift very dramatically in our favor. And I think we're well positioned to, to uh, capture that 
because we haven't been able to announce half, roughly half the assays uh, from Manitoba. Yeah, well, there's um, there's a perhaps there's a case for getting a um, um, an XRF gun so that you can dolly up some, you know, you can grind up some uh, some pulps and uh, do the some some of the sample prep on site and get those XRF data coming out sooner than rather than later. But um, no, I, no, I can't. Really, I um, the reason why we don't do that is we've never it's never uh, benefited me. Uh, my experience with putting out visuals, putting out any estimates, uh, wasn't ever one with any met with any kind of gratitude. Uh, if there's ever anything positive I've ever said in that kind of regard, candidly, uh, where we've announced visuals or anything like that, uh, it was met, met with skepticism. And I you know, again, I go back to that negative mindset where everyone vectors the most negative thing. We, I remember uh, one of the earlier discovery holes that we put out uh, pre-Rainbow, but going back to 2015 as a lesson learned, uh, we put out visuals and the commentary I got back was, oh, it's all pyrite. And everything ran like 3% copper, you know? So yeah. even when you do something like that, I think I'm, I mean, I'm caught, I'm candidly going to be cautious on ever trying to put X or F numbers out or anything like that. I think we just got to re realize that we've, we'll maintain things. Uh, it's a very, very tight uh, capital structure. Uh, it can very quickly be cleaned up quite easily after we get through tax loss selling on uh, just a little bit of good news um, aside. So I'm not too worried about that. Um, and I really focus my energy on the positives and, and driving positive outcomes. And that's how you just drive discoveries. Well, great. Uh, I look forward to seeing the results. Um, as a geologist, I can kind of draw the dots and I can do the, a very simple kind of volume calc. I kind of I've got an idea of what uh, tonnage you should be looking at and what grade you should be looking at. I um, apply appropriate haircuts and risk factors uh, accordingly. Um, I think you're onto something really exciting. So um, congratulations for the work that you've done this year. And uh, I look forward to seeing the the next 37 holes, if they come in one or two batches. Um, it doesn't really matter. Um, but I, I hope to see that the, 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 the confirmation of the mineralization to surface, which um, presumably your geologists have seen, otherwise they wouldn't have motivated the, the geology um, up that um, in that direction. And... Um, Looking forward to seeing your progress to, to the towards the twin goals of continuing exploration to the west and the south, and also um, working towards them, the, the the maiden resource. And um, I expect that when it comes to the capital raise, uh, that you will have a lot of uh, your existing institutions following their interest. Well, not only I don't I think I don't like to limit myself to uh, the existing institutions. I think. The um, beautiful thing about what we have, what I'm so grateful for, first of all, is for the community of Flint Fun, um, because that's what drove all the decisions, right? I mean, uh, you ask why we did what we do, what mandate has been, it's been to find uh, the next mine to feed into that community's needs, because it was a very pressing uh, situation for the community. So to be able to execute on that has been a, um, one of the most proudest achievements so far. Obviously, we've got a a lot more work ahead of us to to firm that up, you know, economics and all that. Um, but certainly, it's been the most exciting of the years, and I do believe, with a high degree of conviction, uh, that you know this is just the beginning of even more exciting things to come for the company. So I really do appreciate the the vote of confidence and support, um, and we are very very excited about everything that we've been able to accomplish so far. Uh, but do believe it's just scratching the surface for what's to come. Great, thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. Thanks so much for having me.